Welcome to this Sunday's message from the King's Church Mid-Sussex. Before I start, I just want to say, Jim, I think you've got a career as a voiceover man. <laughs> Coming to cinemas near you today, Moses. I thought it was brilliant. I'm like, wow, I'm going to get my popcorn out. This is brilliant. <laughs> really great. I think we need to find some more projects for you. So... Uh, Great, good. Well, good morning. Uh, so I'm Tim, uh, and uh, sorry. Um, so this morning we are we're continuing um, uh, to look at this series we've been looking at called um, uh, the Invitation, and the passage we're looking at um, this morning uh, is is one that highlights, in quite a matter-of-fact way, two different um, types of people with two different destinations. And, and it's quite a sobering passage in, some, in many ways, but it's also an exciting one. It's been the inspiration for countless individuals and churches and organizations for a century. In short, it kind of sums up for us, in a nutshell, what a life following Jesus looks like in practice. And so we're going to look at Matthew uh, chapter 5 in your Bibles. The, the word's going to come up on the screen as well. And I'm just going to take it a section at a time as we go through it. Um, so Matthew 25, verses 31 to 34, um, Jesus is speaking and he says this. When the Son of Man comes, I should have got Jim to read this. Um, well, so I've got to stop, I've got to stop. Uh, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Let's just pause there for a moment. What an incredible image. It's an image of the end times. It's an image of something that's going to happen in the future. A day is coming when the risen Lord Jesus is going to come back, return, and sitting on his glorious throne is going to gather every nation before him. And then he's going to take every individual from every nation and, and, um, and, this, and put them into two different groups. And one group Jesus describes as sheep. And this isn't the first time that this kind of imagery has been used in the Bible to describe people. It's familiar language used throughout Scripture of God describing his chosen people. You know, multiple times God refers to himself as a shepherd and his people as the sheep. So you get things like this. Ezekiel 34, God says, You are my flock the sheep of my pasture. You are my people and I am your God. Isaiah 40, he says this, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and cares for those close to his heart. Psalm 23, famous one, says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. And even Jesus, when he was on earth and, and like going around and speaking and doing his ministry, he used the same kind of language. He said once, uh, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. It's an interesting analogy because as everyone knows, sheep are pretty timid and weak animals. You know, a shepherd knows that on their own, sheep would get lost 
They're defenseless creatures. Uh, they get scared and they get hurt easily. They, they need rest and good fields to chew some grass in. They need running water. And that's what God likens us to. Sheep, not lions. Weak, fragile people, not strong and robust. The shepherd provides everything for the sheep, even to the point of putting himself in danger to care and protect them. And God uses this image to try and convey something of his care and his compassion, compassion and his commitment to his sheep. Over and over again, the message is clear. God cares deeply for his people like a shepherd cares for his sheep. He won't leave you on your own. If you get lost, he'll come and find you. If you get broken or damaged or injured, he'll tenderly care for you. He'll give you rest. If you come under attack, he'll come and protect you. And Jesus says, there is a day coming when I will gather all my sheep. Those that I've been caring for and and nurturing and giving rest to. And say, come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. You know, wow. You know, what an incredible, incredible statement. There is a kingdom that will be inherited by God's people that he has cared for and tended. Guys, that's, that's us. There is a place that has been prepared for us since the creation of the world. We have a hope And a glorious future ahead of us. One that is beyond human comprehension. A destination that we are heading to where God says he will wipe away every tear from every eye. There will be no death or mourning or crying or pain. A place where he will make everything brand new. And we get to go there. What a promise. What a privilege for us, God's people. But the passage doesn't stop there. It goes on to say why such favor has been lavished on his people, his sheep of God's pasture. Jesus continues the story by saying this, Matthew 25, and verse 35. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you, gave me, you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? Now, what's interesting to me is the fact that these people described as sheep are shocked at God's reasoning for giving them such a, a lavish inheritance. They don't seem to... Remember doing such things for him. You know, if it was me, I would just, I would just keep quiet. I've got to be honest. I mean, I don't remember doing those things for you, but I'd like the inheritance. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and, and get in and enjoy it. But they don't do that. They, they ask, you know, when did we do those things for you? And Jesus says, um, the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. In other words, you lived with your eyes wide open. Every time you saw the sick, or you saw the hungry, 
or you saw the poor and the destitute, or, or those in prison, and you were moved to show compassion and support and kindness to them. It's, it's like you did that to me. And that's why you're getting this incredible inheritance. It's proof that you are my sheep. It's a staggering example of just how closely God identifies with the weak and the broken, the sick and the vulnerable. This is not something new. This is totally in keeping with everything that we have understood and got to know about God through reading the Bible. In the Old Testament, uh, we read verses like this, where God is speaking to his people, and he says, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward those uh, for what they have done. He commissions his people. He says this, Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hands of the wicked. God's heart and his concern is for the poor and for the weak. He demonstrates this even in the type of people that he chooses to be his people. You know, the, the Israelites of whom God once said, you know, I will be your God and you will be my people. They weren't the strongest or the biggest or the bravest. They were weak. They were a small group of individuals one who, who often like wandered off and, and God needed to keep on coming and rescue them like sheep. But out of all the different people on the face of the earth, this is who God chooses to associate himself with, to, to lead and, and to love and to make into a nation. You know, you, we, we see how closely God identifies with those in need through his son Jesus. You know, when he came to earth, out of anywhere Jesus could have come, he decides intentionally to be born into poverty. If you flick through the pages of um, the, the, the Gospels and the life and ministry of Jesus, over and over again, what you read is he went and he healed the sick. He cared for the poor. He spent his time with, with the marginalized. His, his, even his very mission statement is taken out of the book of Isaiah when he stood up and he read and he said, I've come to proclaim the good news to the poor, freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free. Even today, when it comes to the church, the the Apostle Paul has, has this reflection on us. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not That's you and I. And you know, throughout history, God has identified himself closely with the weak, caring for them, rescuing them, even making a nation and a church like this one out of them. Now, what's interesting is that although we know that God's heart is for the poor and the weak, throughout Scripture, people who had experienced like firsthand being cared for by such a loving shepherd struggled uh, to show that kind of care to other people around them. You know, the Israelites who were, you know, such benefactors of, of God's mercy by being physically rescued from slavery in Egypt, you know, they, they were even given laws to try and help them to do the same things that they couldn't seem to do it. Over and over again, they just neglected the poor and the vulnerable all the time. You know, on one occasion, God speaks very directly to them and he says this, Stop bringing me meaningless offerings. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. 
When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes. Even when you utter many prayers, I am not listening. Learn to do justice. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. You know, they had experienced such kindness from God, but they couldn't seem to do it to others to the point where God's got his fingers in his ears and he's like, la, 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 la. I'm not listening to you anymore. I'm not listening to your worship. Because he doesn't want to just hear words without seeing their deeds. You know, the disciples that Jesus called to follow him, they they didn't seem to get to see people in the same way that Jesus did. You know, when Jesus saw a large crowd gathered, we're told that he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. The disciples want to send the people all home. He says, let's, just, let's, let's get rid of them. Let's tell them to go back to their homes. But Jesus, he's moved because he sees they're hungry, hungry and he wants to feed them. Another time, Jesus is walking along and this guy who's a blind guy cries out, Son of God, have mercy on me. And the disciples are just like, oh, you know, just be quiet. We're on a, we're on a mission here. But Jesus, he stops, gets down on his knees. Jesus' eyes were open to those around him. His disciples looked like their eyes were closed. But there is a surprising shift that happens after Jesus dies and he rises to life again and ascends to heaven. His followers begin to care for the poor almost instinctively. You know, they're like a different group of people. You can read about it in the book of, book of Acts. We're told that the early church, there was no needy people among them. People sold prof- property, gave sacrificially in order that the poor were cared for. Systems were set up to care for the widows. The, the ancient Roman world was beginning to be transformed by this group of Christians. When the apostle Paul was commissioned by the other apostles to, to go and, and give the good news of the gospel uh, to other people groups, not just the Jews, he records this. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. You know, why the change? You know, for, for thousands of years, God's people struggled to do it. Not so long ago, Jesus' followers would have quite happily walked past someone who was in need. But now it seems to be the very thing that they are eager to do more than anything else. Well, centuries earlier, God promised that a new day would come. He said this, I'll put a new heart, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you and you'll be moved to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And on Pentecost, that's what happened. God poured out his spirit on his people and the result was that all of a sudden the commands of God that went from being like external instructions to becoming an internal desire. He had their, they had their spirit, his, God's spirit, living in them. Their hard hearts had become soft as God's spirit in them began to help them to feel the same concerns for the marginalized as God felt. No longer were they trying but running out of puff to do good deeds in order to get a ticket into heaven when they died. It just started to come naturally to them. It's how they wanted to live. It's what they, where they found their joy The things that broke God's heart now broke their heart. 
to the point where they wanted just to spend themselves on caring for the poor and the needs of those around them. And as a result, they were easily identifiable as God's sheep because they shared the same kingdom values as God, their shepherd. And that's why he was able to say to them, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom that has been prepared for you since the creation of the earth. They weren't doing these things out of obligation or desperation in order to try and get an inheritance. They were doing these things naturally because they had God's Spirit working in them. Jesus continues the story by talking about the goats. And now he says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger and needing clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. It's it's a sobering conclusion to the story. You know, these people effectively were going through life with their eyes shut to the needs of people around them. Everywhere in, in the Bible, God says, I don't want you to live like that. It says things like this, whoever shuts their ears to the cries of the poor will also also cry out and not be answered. The message is clear. If your eyes are not open and your heart doesn't break for those that are in need, it's unlikely that you're one of my sheep. You don't bear any resemblance to the shepherd. You haven't allowed my Holy Spirit to change your heart, to open your eyes, and therefore you have no part in my kingdom. It's only the sheep that get to inherit from the shepherd. It's the sheep that get the immense privilege to imitate the shepherd, it, to reach out to the poor and the broken in, a, in the way that we have experienced ourselves. You know, yes, it is not without cost. You know, Jesus warned that if you come follow me, if you want to imitate me and do the things that I've done, it will cost you everything. But as we go and we spend time with the same people that Jesus spent time, time with, we get to encounter him. We get to see him. We get to know him, experience him. And over the next few weeks, we... We want to kind of just share some stories of you know, different ways as a church we're involved in our community and various different ways, things we're doing, where we get to be God's hands and feet, where we get the immense privilege and joy to go and spend time with people and in spending time with them encounter Jesus in amazing ways. It's not something that we do that's just kind of like, oh, it says in the Bible we've got to do it, so I better roll our sleeves up and do it. We get to do it. We get to do it. And I don't know about you, but more and more recently, the more God is opening my eyes to the immense privilege it is to spend time with people that are hurting or people that are broken or people that just need Help, compassion, kindness. And it's, it's not, an obliga- it's not a, something that just feels like, oh, 
Here's something. So it's like, oh, what a privilege. You walk away from spending time with people like that and you just say, thank you, God. I've learned so much from spending time with you. And, and what I want to do this morning is I want to invite Laura Goodsmith to come up. Uh, and this morning, um, you know, just for the li- next little while. Yeah, now. Come on. Uh, you got a mic? Uh, So what I want to do this morning uh, in our remaining time is just highlight uh, one of the things that we're doing as a church. And one of the things we do is we're partnering as a church with an organization called Hope Into Action, uh, which Laura works for. Uh, and um, just to kind of just get a, like an insight in some of the things that we get the privilege of being a part of. So Laura, could you just like start, because there'll be some people that don't know what Hope Into Action is. Um, so could you just like give us a bit of an overview? Yeah, of course. So Hope Into Action is a Christian charity. It started over 10 years ago in Peterborough with just one house. Um, The aim was to house people that are marginalised, that are in need of uh, housing. But the identified need that was um, most prevalent was relationship and love. Um, So Hope Into Action grew. There's now almost 100 homes. um, And we, as Hope Into Action Mid-Sussex, have four houses currently. And we house people from a variety of backgrounds. It could be um, people that have come out of prison, people that are, um, they've lost their house because of uh, debt, because of relationship breakdown, could be refugee, fleeing domestic violence. There's a whole range of people that we are having the privilege of housing. Um, and what we do is we provide high-quality homes and say, this is what you are worth. You're not worth a, a shabby flat somewhere with you know, no heating or anything else. You are worth what th- this is displaying. You, know, you are so precious and you deserve the best and God wants you to have the best. And by loving them in that way, um, we are giving them their self-worth back. We are showing them that we love them, that we value them, and in turn, we help them address their needs. Fantastic. And I've seen like, some of the houses... They are amazing. I'd like to live in one of them. You know, it's, they're, they're, that, they're great. Um, so obviously we talked about the fact that like, Jesus identifies so closely with the poor, yeah. um, you know, even to the point of moving in with them. And um, like, give us some examples of like, in, in times that you've spent in, in like, meeting tenants and spending time with individuals, how you have in that process just encountered Jesus. Oh gosh, there's so many. Um, I'm going to lead on back to that. Are you? I'm going to say thank you for generosity, particularly in the last couple of weeks. Um, There's been a lot of people that give regularly um, to Hope Into Action, but there's also a lot of people that have been helping in a practical way. Particularly, we've had a few people move on lately, and I know that this church has been so generous. So coming back to your point, we have seen tenants blown away by anonymous givers or by people that are giving who know them. And what that speaks is um, what they think. They go, why? They don't know me. They've got no idea about who I am, and yet they're still giving this. And, you know, I had someone this week absolutely blown away by a financial donation, and he said, I just want to thank them. I just want to know who it is. And I said, you know what? They're not doing it for your thanks. They're doing it to bring glory to God, and actually giving in the secret has its own value as well. And it was so nice to be able to see someone go, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) All right. And so we're seeing stories like that. We're seeing people that we have come alongside and then suddenly they go, oh, can you pray for this for me? 
And you're like, what? You're not even a Christian. Yeah, yes, yes, we can, of course. You know, we're seeing prayer breakthroughs. We're seeing houses that someone would never have got had they not allowed us to come into their situation and pray for them and to support them. Um, you know, council houses that are the dream home for somebody. And it makes no sense, actually. Should they be eligible for that? Well, maybe they should. Maybe they shouldn't. But what we're seeing is we're seeing God breakthrough situations and we're seeing tenants acknowledge that. And we're seeing tenants see people's hearts and feel valued for who they are, not for their past, not for their bad choices, not for their, you know, circumstances that might or might not be their fault. God is actually working in them. And to be able to watch that and to be able to to know that we as a church and we as a a wider organisation are able to change lives, that's that's just Jesus in action, isn't it? That's great. Is um, Is it easy? My role, or like, just generally? Just generally. <laughs> it's easy to love somebody when you know God loves them. So yeah, yeah. it's easy, but obviously there are uh, practical things that are going to be harder. You know, there's going to be people that you think, oh gosh, I'm not equipped for this, or it's way beyond the remit of my expertise. But that's okay, because we're coming from an angle where we've got a God that actually knows all. Yeah. And he can equip us and he can break through so you know I wouldn't say whoever wants to get involved doesn't have to be an expert you don't have to have a PhD in psychology what you need is knowing that God loves you and knowing that we want to be like Jesus and Jesus loves them so let's do that absolutely so like how um that was a leading question in some ways because I know like from you and Nigel and stuff like sometimes it's it's, it seems like hard hard going (laughs) You know, like, uh, it sounds like, oh, you have all these tenants and uh, we get to pray for them and it's all brilliant and stuff. But yeah. often, sometimes, the reality is it can be really heartbreaking as well. Yeah. And um, so what do you do in those times? <sighs> what can you do apart from give it back to God? Um, so we have a monthly meeting for this church. that um, We pray and we allow people to have the opportunity to ask for prayers. But also, we share within a confidential setting circumstances that are happening. And the best thing we can do is give it to the one that created the world. <laughs> He's got so much more power than we do. Um, so, yeah, we, we pray. We rely on God. And, um, yeah, some, sometimes it is really hard. But life is hard. And um, we're living in a world that is faulty because of, you know, because of sin. So we have to expect that. But it doesn't mean that we can't fight it. It doesn't mean that we have to be fearful in fact, it's the complete opposite. We have a duty as Christians. We have to go against it. We have to go against the bad, the broken, and everything. And um, so, yeah, of course it's hard. Great. Life is hard. But we rely on God. Good. Amen. And so, obviously, how Hope into Action works is kind of like, you know, they have the houses and they manage the tenants and all that sort of stuff. And the mm-hmm. church come and they just bring the love and the care and support yeah. and, you know, friendship, yeah. um, you know, to the tenants. Uh, what, how, how can people get involved if they're thinking like this is something I'm really interested in I've have written you, a list have you oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> got a shopping list <laughs> I'm not checking my Facebook or doing my word or by the way three today by the way three goes okay so um, <laughs> so um, there are so many ways to get involved so the first things first 
on the front line, we have a team of befrienders. So a befriender is basically a friend with purpose, like a mentor. Um, so there is like a vetting process, of course, because it's only appropriate to match people correctly um, to bring fruit. So I would say that that is the number one on the front line role. You can be a befriender you can come along and love someone and I tell you what one of the most important roles of that is showing consistency because a lot of our people they have not seen someone day in day out commit to actually a genuinely genuinely good pure relationship there's always a transaction expected you know what are you going to do for me then what am I going to have to do for you and actually you break down a barrier by just saying that's okay let's just go out let's go for a walk what do you want from them nothing but what you gain as a befriender actually is a friend and God works through you. Like, who doesn't want that? Um, so there's other ways to get involved. Obviously, it's a charity. It's not for profit. We need you to give generously where you can. You know, there's amazing donations that come in, some one-offs, some regular givers, um, you know, actual practical things as well. But we need the support because actually... You know, we, we, it doesn't run itself. But I tell you what, one thing that Nigel, um, my boss, hello Nigel, uh, one thing that he's always done is he sets a negative budget. So the money doesn't add up. And the reason he does that is to allow God to come in. Because if you don't set a negative budget, you're saying, I can do it in my own strength. You know, we, we can do it, it works, the numbers crunch. Whereas actually, if you set a negative budget, you allow space for generous hearts, for God to provide, and for miracles to happen. Um, okay, so another way that you can get involved is practical support. So, excuse me, I've got a tickly nose. Um, practical support. So you could be someone that is very handy with um, carpentry, or you could fix cars, or you could... Um, you know, good painting and decorating. You could be a plumber or electrician. So practical support. You know, if you've got that, you don't have to be a befriender if that's not for you. But if you've got a skill, why not offer it up? We've got houses that need to be maintained. Um, another way of supporting would be... Um, ooh, I've got lots of notes, guys. Prayer support. <laughs> that's pretty foundational. I shouldn't have needed that one. Okay, so prayer support... If you feel that you are a prayer warrior, and I know that we are a room full of them, actually. I'm looking out here. If you feel that you don't necessarily have practical skills, maybe you don't feel financially that you are able to give generously in that way, or you don't want to be on the front line as a befriender, you can pray. In fact, we can all pray. And if you're telling me you can't, I don't know what you're doing here. You know, we really can all pray. So I would say prayer support is a massive one. Um, and one more point, the next generation. What are we modelling to our kids? Because my kids, they see the goodness that comes from it. And they see their mum and they see others that I work with and people who I work alongside, they've met them all. And they see life and they see them receiving our love. And I think if you're involved as an, as an adult, as a... If you have a family, it really does speak to your kids. It really speaks to your friends. It speaks to your neighbours. And that is massive. Great. Thank you. Oh, my God. You can go. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Why don't we, why don't we stand? Let's, let's, um, Dan, do you want to come out? Let's pray. Just so I know, like... Um, 
if you want to chat more with Laura or Nigel's here um, this morning, please do, do go and, 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 um, and have a chat to them if you've got more questions or you want to okay, I just want to know more or want to get involved. Uh, there's going to be other things we're going to highlight over the next few weeks of things that we're doing as, as a church. We really want to make sure that what we're doing in terms of caring for the community, showing God's love to people, is right in the center of everything that we are doing as a church. Um, so let me just pray. Father, I want to thank you that you are our good shepherd. God, I want to thank you that you have uh, called us to be your people, to be your sheep, Lord God. I want to thank you so much. Each one of us has probably got, has got a story of how you've rescued us, how you've shown your kindness to us, your compassion to us, how you've fixed us when we've been broken, Lord how you've given to us in so many generous ways. And Lord, I want to pray, would you, would you fill us with your spirit to, to do the same things that you so generously have done to us? God, we, want to, we don't want to just do things out of obligation. We, we ask them, come, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Come and help us. Come and open our eyes day by day, that we might see people around us and be moved in compassion. God, help us to be a church where, you know, Mid-Sussex is different because we're here. You know, the nation's different because we're here. Different nations like Kenya are different because we're here, because you've done a work in our hearts. Father, we love you. Thank you for the incredible privilege that we get to be your hands and feet. And we'd say, Lord, please use us to bring glory to your name that other people might encounter the goodness of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just worship before we close. Thanks for listening to this message from the King's Church, Mid-Sussex. To connect with us online, visit tkc.org.uk. We hope you'll join us again soon.